0: Aloha, I'm Marcia Sortino. Welcome to Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. To all our regular listeners, thank you for coming back. To all our new listeners, congratulations. You just discovered one of the most powerful talk radio shows there is. As we get ready for this class, I suggest you find something to take notes with. Every show is packed with all sorts of inspiring, insightful ideas, ahas, and breakthroughs. While you find some paper and a pen, I wonder, how many people do you know are paid to learn, then paid to teach what they learn? I'll put that another way. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. By the time I complete my class as a student, the money I'm paid to teach pay me what I'm worth will cover what I paid Seoul University, and then some. At the end of our class, I'll tell you how to become a paid student and teacher for this life-changing journey. It's time to meet my class. We decided to be collectively known as Team Seekers. Here they are.
1: This is Cindy Ashline from Slingerlands, New York. Thank you for joining us on our radio show, and I hope that you will be inspired by what you hear today.
2: Cal Davis, Lewiston, Maine. Howdy,
1: y'all. This is terrific Tanya Heathco from the beautiful state of Tennessee, wishing
3: you better brain health. Hi, Manita Kinlan here, wishing you a great day from Wind River, Wyoming.
4: Hey, everybody. Green Mays, and I am from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. This is Shirley May, Cincinnati, Ohio. This is
3: David H. Paul from St. Cloud, Minnesota.
5: Hello,
4: Chris Peters, and I'm from
2: Brandon, Manitoba, Canada.
6: Rick and I live in Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha, this is Cheryl from Hawaii.
2: Hello, everybody. This is Agnes Talley
3: in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're the home of the dogwood tree with its beautiful white flowers in the spring of the year.
5: And finally, Aloha. Soul here, author of Pay Me What I'm Worth and Marcia's Co-pilot on this journey. I hope we've given you enough time to grab a pad of paper and a pen to take notes. Our class starts now. Tonight as we dive into class, I'm going to share with you a question given to me when I was 12 years old by one of my first spiritual teachers. The question that I was asked, she looked me in my eyes, And she says, if I don't know what I have, how do I know what I need? And as we begin to wrap up our treasure hunt on the skills level, I'm going to throw this little formula out there that may help us ripen skills. Into talents, something we talked about in our last class, yeah? yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Think about this. This is where the notepad and paper might come out handy. There are four words we're all familiar with data, information, knowledge, and wisdom. Marsha, how would you define data? Give me an example of just data?
7: Whenever I think of the word data, I think of something on a computer somehow in a formula that comes up with the answer for you. That's how I look at
5: data. Okay. Kareem, how do you, besides the Star Trek character, I'm just going to cut that one off at the pass. Just uh, when you think of data, what do you think of?
4: Since I actually worked with database administrators, data is a organized list of information the people in our class could be considered data it's an organized pieces of information whatever that information is but it doesn't necessarily give you decision making power in and of itself
5: good the, good definition
4: the 10 commandments is an example of data
5: what is a dictionary dictionary full of words, is data. Right?
4: Encyclopedia.
5: Encyclopedias, it's data. When this data is put into context, Rick, when you think of the word information, how would you define information?
6: Bunch of stuff.
5: The
6: way that you explain data is sort of similar. It's the same thing. We're always getting information and data that we don't even realize, like 90% of the stuff. But I don't really know how to define it. It's sort of the same to me. It's Cindy, you something with Google
1: on our computer that make up a certain topic of uh, discussion and study, just something you computer, that's information. Not that it's only on the computer, though. I mean, you get information other places. When you're searching the web, you're looking for information. It's like a series of words that make up
5: something that you want to learn about so that's the context right yes you're looking up something in a particular context yes okay so for example agnes agnes have you ever used a cookbook yes years ago years ago (laughs) when you flash back and you think about that time when you used the cookbook what was it instructing you to do
3: It was telling me how to make a meal or a dish or something to eat or drink.
5: Right. So with most cookbooks, what's the first thing it starts out with?
3: Well, it gives you a list of
5: ingredients. So there's your data. And then
3: Tells you how to mix it up.
5: There's your information, right? Yes. Ah, the plot thickens. Now, after you've made that dish a few times, Agnes, do you go back and open up the recipe book every time you're going to go make the dish? Or at some point, do you realize, I know how to make this dish. I don't need the recipe book anymore, right?
3: Yeah, normally I don't need the recipe anymore.
5: There you go. Because you have now ripened data with information, because you've had a little bit of time it becomes knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. David, where am I going with the knowledge question?
3: (laughs) When we're able to organize knowledge, hold knowledge through several years of time and and string that together with a series of experiences that that inform us further about that knowledge, we can gain wisdom.
5: Bingo. Bingo. David just mentioned the two key magical elixirs. Time and experience will help ripen knowledge into wisdom. My point, chapter two. What have we concluded now on our third month together? We started our journey first with laying the ground rules, right? We created the sacred space for us to dive in and start exploring, yeah? Yeah. Then we started poking around our data, didn't we? Our data in the yeah. form of our stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Then Stuffing. this yeah. past month, we took our data and we started making meaning out of it by looking at how we use our stuff through our skills. True? True. 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 Yes. So far, questions?
4: I was going to make a comment actually, okay I think looking at it, knowledge is the accumulation of information for me, which is how you interpret data.
5: That's how the, I how, interpret it right
4: how yeah, how I individually interpret data, okay, and then use it to give an example, data is like I said, the Ten Commandments information is how you would use that. Eventually it would create how I knowledge. use
5: it or you use it.
4: How you use it on an individual level. How so, so
5: you're just it? talking about me then?
4: I'm just talking about myself.
5: Okay, Marcia, what am I doing to poor Kareem?
7: Getting him to start using I
4: <laughs> And I accumulate this knowledge and then knowing when to use my knowledge, I can create wisdom.
5: Exactly. Sounds good, Kareem. Now, folks, here's where we start giving our analyzer the tools it needs to have a graceful retirement. (laughs) As I read your blog posts, as I intuit with where you're at in your journeys, I was just sharing with Marsha today that I still sense a lot of analyzing going on. Marsha, do you think I'm sensing things correctly or do you think I'm off base?
7: No, I I think you are. I think what happens with most of us is that we are so used to analyzing. We've been trained and taught. Everything in school was analyzed. It's a hard habit to break. Almost like we have to figure out how to explore all over again. Exploring was something we did naturally, and all of a sudden we lost that when we started gaining all this knowledge.
5: You know what tripped the trigger? It's a three letter word starting with E as in Everest. Eagle? Bingo.
1: We were able to be explorers more when we were younger. In our childhood, we were good at exploring, I believe.
5: Ding, ding, exactly. Ding. That's exactly. what we
1: did. On. Then, then once we get older, we were told, oh, we got to become more responsible. Oh, you're not a child anymore. This is for kids. You need to grow up now.
5: And then, of course, we're saying all that. You're saying you, but you're also talking about yourself, yeah? Yes. Okay. Now, the reason why I'm really pounding this issue tonight is because as we enter into our fourth month already. Mm -hmm. Month's coming up.
6: And we're going to start
5: chapter three. It's imperative. One of the things that, as I'm listening to the audio files before I put them out and get them ready for the show, is I often catch people talking like this. I feel that we blah, 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 blah. I feel that. I feel that. And when I hear the word, I feel... I'm waiting to hear a feeling after the word feel. I feel sad that. I feel excited that. I feel concerned that. Without that feeling, following the word feel, what are you really saying?
3: You're really saying, I think, bingo. And you're analyzing. No!
2: I hate to burst your oh, bubble, my guys.
5: Let the cat out of the bag. David, how could you?
2: How uh, could you? Sorry.
5: No. Carl and I were talking as we began their journey this evening. Carl was mentioning how he's beginning to really open up Pandora's box, and I shared with him my own experience about Pandora's box, and I have <laughs> come to learn that the more pressure I apply to keep Pandora's box closed, Pandora basically says, yeah, right, and she just applies more pressure right back, and it's just escalating till something's got to give, right? Right. The source of that pressure is what? E.G.O. Yep. E.G.O. Our analyzer has to have what? Control. Mm-hmm. What else?
7: Acknowledgement.
5: Mm-hmm. Keep going. Fear. Yep. Our analyzer has to have fear? Yes. Is that what you said? Yeah. Wow. Our analyzer okay. has to keep things fairly flat, right? Right. It's either good or bad, right or wrong, in or out, black or white. Fairly flat, correct? Correct. Correct. What happens when our explorer eeks out into the world?
2: Oh, no.
3: Lots of gray area comes into play.
7: Yes. We can see different perspectives bing different bing. bing, bing, bing,
5: bing. Marsha, you've gone through Chapter 2 twice now. Your perspective about your skills has got to have bumped up yet again, yeah? (laughs)
7: Yes. (laughs) Absolutely.
5: As we take this formula of data, information, knowledge, we're tapping into our wisdom, right, by getting a perspective of our material world and our skills world. True? True. How are you all feeling About this. Who wants to go first?
3: I have a feeling on that. For me, I feel intimidated. I've relied so heavily on that ability to analyze the crap out of everything (laughs) and actually make things constructive. The ability to digest massive amounts of information, big concepts, and big ideas, pride myself on synthesizing information it's so yeah it's intimidating intimidating to say okay let's go and play in the sandbox
6: all the time what <laughs>
7: it's almost scary sometimes it shouldn't be why does it have to feel foreign to us to explore but it's almost scary to even think of Going into explorer mode because that means that we might see something that almost scares us to even look at. That would be a different perspective. That could change a lot of what we used to believe. It's almost scary to think that that could happen.
4: I think once you give up control, the analyzer says, I have to control, I've got to control all circumstances. Once you give that up and you say, I can go on a journey and see what's really in me and what's really in this world and look at different perspectives, different cultures, different ideas, I become a more well-rounded and open-minded person. and I don't have to control every little event. And I feel better. Carl?
2: I feel well, like I've been able to open up more about my inner self. I never let anything out before in other people. I contained it all to myself, even though blue personality, as far as I know. There was a lot of times in which I'd chat to myself and not let it out. That's what I mean about Pandora's box. There's things that I didn't really want out. I have to open them up in order to analyze them to get wisdom out of them. And I'm not and the knowledge in the middle (laughs) that's like it's opening me up to understand my inner self
5: now as we get in touch with these feelings think about this and I'm using the word think for a reason if we use the concept of thinking or our skill of thinking as fuel to fill our emotional tanks The more I think about my potential, the more I think about the potential of each and every one of you, what's happening in your lives as you're waking up to your potential, that fuels me. I mean, that gives me energy. That makes me excited. That drives me insane at times, I have to admit. There are things that I'm doing in my own life that I'm going, well, what are you doing? (laughs) That's
2: great, So That's awesome.
5: Is it fair to say that as you're beginning to get this new perspective of your potential, now you've gotten a little more dusted off awareness of what your stuff means to you. You've gotten a little more acute with the reality that the skills that you have are never ending. Yeah. Yes. Cheryl was talking about how in her blog post, she's got her sneaky little analyzer, but you're Coming to more terms with that analyzer. Yeah, Cheryl?
1: Kind of getting the old whip out and saying, get back, get back,
3: analyzing everything. Go exploring instead. It's a lot more fun.
5: Can I share with you all the best way to blow up your analyzer?
3: Absolutely. Yeah.
5: I taught this in my management courses. Who all has ever suffered a micromanager, who has a story about a time where they were being micromanaged to the point of wanting to pull your hair out? Anybody got a story they want to share?
7: I do I had work that I was doing online and I lasted three months with it. I realized that it was worse than going to the office. It was full time job every week. I was getting an email with an assessment of how I did or how I was doing, what I could do better. And it absolutely drove me insane to just be so micromanaged like that. And I felt like I was in a prison. <laughs> I, I couldn't stand it. I was done with that. I made up my mind after that. Nope, this is worse than a prison.
2: My story is I was living with somebody that, would get up every morning and they do the same schedule every morning as a ritual. I mean it got to be to the degree that I knew exactly what she was doing. Drove me nuts because of what she'd do. It was like she would nitpick things even in conversation. If anything went just a little bit wrong, she'd be all over me about it. And it's like that's not how we roll getting out of bed in the morning and say, Oh, what a day. That's bringing that negative vibration. I just couldn't put up with it because I wanted positive. I felt her nitpicking things so much had to be this perfect for her. didn't think about
5: how I felt of it. I
1: dislike naggers and nitpickers too. Here's a
5: a (laughs) nasty idea. How is our internal chaos committee comprised of the judge, the critic, the controller, and the perfectionist, micromanaging. There's nuances to our own personalities, habits, routines. As we get into the holiday season, we're going to be faced with all sorts of traditions and routines. Those are another form of micromanaging. The best way I've learned to blow up a micromanager, I remember having a contract once where this guy was just, intent on i think making everyone's life hell by micromanaging so i flipped it he was into having morning reports and afternoon reports even if we had nothing to report we had to report that we had nothing to report in this example i decided to give him reports on the hour then i questioned him whether or not the reports he was getting on the hour whether he would like them in word format excel format powerpoint format did he want them texted to him Did he want them faxed? I inundated him with options to the point that he's just stopped asking, and the report (laughs) requests went away. The best way to blow up micromanaging, the best way to blow up the analyzer is give it more than it can handle. You do that by fully engaging your explorer. Your explorer can think 3D. Your explorer has infinite ways of looking at things, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I feel a lot of light bulbs turning on. I want to hear what's going on.
1: One example, at work, we have to fill out a vacation schedule every three months. One of the bosses says, even if you're not planning on taking any vacation time, You still have to hand a vacation slip in showing that you're just not taking any vacation so they actually see it. Otherwise, they think maybe you maybe forgot to fill out a slip. They just want everything on record. Even though you're not taking any vacation, they still want that vacation slip to show you're not taking any vacation time.
4: I have a similar story to that. I worked at a bank. I don't recommend anybody to work at a bank because... I worked as a QA analyst, a quality assurance analyst. I would have to go through Word documents and make sure they were spaced a certain way. And if they weren't spaced a certain way, if there was one word misspelled, it would be hell on earth for my boss and everybody else, and they would be mad, and they would say, I'm unorganized, I'm sloppy, and I would have to go back and work on just how the Word documents would look. They were just so meticulous about every little word and every little spacing that I couldn't do it. I actually thought it detrimented to even what they were doing.
5: The point to the micromanaging, point to our discussion so far, goes back to one of our original concepts. That word starting with a capital B for balance. Right? Right. As you begin to balance your awareness of who you are and what you have, with, what do you want to do? What comes up for you?
7: You wowed us on that one. Can you repeat that, So <laughs> The question?
5: At the top of our call, I talked about one of the more life-changing questions I got at an early age. My teacher asked me, if I don't know what I have, how do I know what I need? Part of our first foray into our journey together Is helping you all refresh your memory of what you have, both materially and non materially. True? True. True. We've dusted things off, right? Yes. Right. So, with the windows a little cleaner, things a little more polished, a little more current, a little more updated, what are you? feeling drawn to do?
3: I've felt drawn to essentially step back into my roots, to step back into the things that got me tuned in, turned on, tapped in, all that good fun, just really got me from back in my early 20s when I first was introduced to to the idea of teaching and counseling and combining the two ideas. Those were skills that I had shoved back in the corner. There were also several memories there that came up that were very, very positive. Then, my friend Sol unleashed, uh, really helped me to sink my teeth back into experiential learning. What's come from this exploration has been a bunch of really great ideas about how to combine those skills, how to dust them up, get them out there, and use them in a way that can help a lot of people. It's really exciting. I'm feeling excited and enthusiastic about cool stuff that, I, that I'm able to do, that I've always known I was able to do, but just didn't quite realize it because I shoved it away in the corner.
6: It's been helping me to figure out that Like when I was 24, I moved to Hawaii and dropped all the society conditioning, get a job and have a job that I could, and lived on the beach over here in Hawaii. Surfed every day. Lived off flowers, bananas or something. I was practically starving on the beach here for like a year. It reminded me of that time again. Like it's taken me back to that time to realize, holy crap, I had it right. So many years ago, I had it right, and I'm getting it right again. What it makes me want to do, just like David said, is go back to my roots, and my original plan is to surf every day, to be happy. So be it. If people find a use for that, they find happiness from watching me surf every day, then good for them because I'm in the mode to help myself before I go out, act like I'm going to help all the world or change the world I'm changing myself and if people see that and they like it and they want to change too they can come along so that's where I'm at with it
7: my thoughts right now I think when I was looking at this chapter I was thinking mentors I honestly thought to myself now I'm in a program that I'm supposed to mentor people I wonder, do I even know how to mentor people? What does that entail? It's something that I have to explore. Mentoring. (laughs) Anybody have any thoughts about that?
1: Do you feel that you learned mentoring at all in some aspects?
7: I learned a lot, Cindy. I think that's where I always wondered, would I be a good mentor? Really get to know people. That was what I did. I honestly did wonder what exactly is mentoring from my standpoint, my viewpoint. How do we mentor people? If I were to look for a mentor, is there a mentor out there that I would follow? So, how about you? (laughs) What do you think?
5: Our journey so far is designed to help you have a more refreshed awareness of what you bring to the table. And what you're bringing to the table are gifts and talents that when they're presented to someone who you are seeking to learn from, a teacher, a guru, whatever word you want to use, how would you feel about someone you're seeking a mentorship relationship with? And they ignore your talents, your skills, and your resources.
7: I would not like that. I would feel slighted if somebody did that to
4: me.
3: I would feel disrespected.
4: I would stop believing.
3: That would not be a mentor relationship for me.
5: Well, why not give the teacher the benefit of the doubt that... Maybe they are on to something that you're just not grasping.
6: I wanted to say that Marsha Sortino has changed my perspective on what a mentor is from being in Pay Me What I'm Worth. That's what I've been trying to say. I've watched her for a lot of months, how she's a mentor to Chris and Kareem. She said she doesn't know how to mentor. She loves people, and that's all it takes. And I wasn't looking for a mentor, but I consider her a mentor of mine. If you listen to some of the other radio shows, I go, <clears throat> mentor, boo, okay? She is a loving, caring person. You would not find a better, I have not seen a better mentor than her, well, soul, <laughs> but in all the times that I've been on the internet and all these guys flapping up and down that I've come in contact with, Marsha Sortino was on the top of that list. I mean, she cares about people and she is a mentor. That's sure, sure. That one's...
3: Back to Sol's question, though. Why not give the mentor benefit of the doubt? Well, that's a very good, interesting question that I would certainly like to explore a little bit. Let's throw that question into the sandbox, see what comes up here. Let's take a look. So have I ever had a situation where I was desperate for help, needed answers, kind of felt like I was clueless? And then I've gone to somebody who maybe... You know, it was like, just shut up and listen. Shut up and do what I tell you to do. No, I don't want your opinions. You need to do what I tell you to do, and there's a reason for it. I've had mentors right. like that. That here was the thing. There was an agreement ahead of time. That's, that's what the deal was. Before the relationship was ever struck, there was a an Agreement and oftentimes it was an agreement in writing
1: rather right, than right. an expectation,
3: it was behaviorally based, right? Rather than expectations, right on, Cindy. So, yeah, come into this course, right? And it's pretty much laid out right there in front of us. You're going to see some things that might not be real pretty in yourself. You can choose, you don't have to explore it, you don't have to go there, you know, you can relieve the pressure, however. We're going to go there in this course. We're going to open up the Pandora's box, and it's part of the agreement. And Yep, okay, that's what I signed up for.
7: Yeah, I guess that's what's different about this class is that we can open up some of the Pandora's boxes here and explore it. It's okay.
6: <laughs> what's the deal? I don't get that. You can't open I don't want to look at the bad stuff. Oh my! I might be scared. What the hell is that?
3: It's the analyzer that judges whether it's good or bad. Right. The explorer goes, "Hmm, isn't that interesting?" I used to see that as bad. I wonder if it might be different than that. What are the possibilities here?
5: So part of what I'm looking at helping you shift into an awareness as we. Enter into chapter three, we're going to start looking at the balance between learning and teaching. What am I learning as I'm going through this process? What do I need to learn from people who've been there? Marcia, as you reflect on the first time we went through Chapter 3 and we got into this whole discussion around mentorship. I remember you getting a little riled. (laughs) 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 Want to share what riled you up? I do
7: remember. I did not like being told really what I was supposed to think and act and all that. I wanted to find out who I was first. I didn't want somebody telling me, well, this is how you're supposed to act and this is how you're supposed to think. I guess that's because most of that was analyzing, I guess. Rather than having me find out who I am first, it seemed like all I did was listen to somebody's success and have them tell me what it is that I needed to do to be successful, and that wasn't going to work for me. That kind of roused me
5: up. So when you began began to realize, I'm not going to tell you what to do and how to do it, right? Right. What happened?
7: I realized it is my journey to explore, to discover. I was going to be able to discover, which that's what's happening. I'm discovering where my strengths are. I'm discovering what my weaknesses are. I am discovering who I am. I really didn't know before what my strengths or my weaknesses are, what people saw me as. I never knew half of that before. I'm discovering who I am and what my feelings are and what my thoughts are about things. The perspectives I have, I'm just discovering that some of my perspectives have clearly changed since I've been on this journey.
1: I like what Rick had to say in the last class about it's how you look at things, everyone takes things differently. Now, I feel differently than you did, Marsh, because I was at the point of needing to be told what i needed to do to be successful because i wanted to be successful and i was looking for answers i was happy to be told how to do it at that point
5: right in chapter three what we're going to begin to shift into is beginning to get in touch with the difference between a fact and a fiction fact even though i have tremendous skills I can create all sorts of fictions in my mind that I don't need to hire someone else to teach me what I think I already know, right? The process of getting into what we're doing is you now all have concrete facts about where you're at in the material world. You've got some concrete facts about your skills. Is that a true statement?
1: Yeah. Yeah, as far as where our skills
5: are. Okay, who else? Other thoughts on what I just said?
4: I think i made a huge transformation in acknowledging skills I didn't know existed or I took for granted that people who can't perform those skills, as small as they might be, may be very grateful for those skills, and I have to acknowledge that exists. I need to be grateful every day. So my gratitude level has gone up and my exploring has gone up a lot.
5: Excellent. The point I want to tease out here is, as I recognize in myself what my skills are, as I recognize that I really do need to get out of my comfort zone and I need to learn certain new skills or I need to polish existing skills, well, what better way to do that than to seek out people who not only have done what I want to do, they also have an awareness that I come to the table with a set of skills as well. Follow?
3: Really follow that
5: line. There's got to be a synergy happening with those I seek to learn from. Synergy versus a traditional parasitic relationship. And when I say parasitic relationship, many times I have encountered teaching relationships where, because I'm so out of my league with that person, because I'm really quite clueless with that person. I feel inferior. I feel less worthy to be in there. I just can't equate to them. Now, all of a sudden, anything that they're sharing with me, I'm like, I'm not giving anything back to them. I'm out of balance. And so I shut down. My ego shuts me down from learning. Again, did I get a little too esoteric, or did you all follow?
3: I followed. I've got to this one in a big way.
5: I have a question,
4: though, Sol. Yes. If you think, if I go through the class and I really find solid solidity in my worth, even if I find a teacher who might have accomplished possibly more financial success or possibly more success in said area, why would I feel inferior to them? They just put more time into their, that skill, said skill. I just need to learn from them.
5: Providing they're willing to learn from you, I would say that that's a valid statement. Think about this. From a cultural perspective, for example studying with the Dalai Lama. Most people, when they first encounter the Dalai Lama, they give the man such deference that they're like this dried sponge waiting for even a hint of moisture to land on it, and they're going to suck it in no matter what it is. Deference just opens them up in ways that they're going to take verbatim what the Dalai Lama says. As you get to know the Dalai Lama, the Dalai Lama The first person is going to say, you take everything I have to share with you, and you decide whether that's valuable to you or not. There are so many teachers out there. They come from this notion, this is the way it is. This is how you're going to learn it. Because it was successful for me, you follow my steps. You, too, will be successful. Well, Marsha, I don't know about you, but the network marketing industry is rampant. Mm -hmm with people saying, you pay this much money a month, you follow my program, and you're going to be successful, maybe, just maybe, 1% to 2% will actually do the work, and just maybe they have the right connections and skills that the teacher has also, and they might be successful, but for the rest of them, because they're missing the skill sets that a lot of teachers assume you have, they're not successful. And then because they're not successful, the whole thing was a sham, it doesn't work, blah, 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 right? Uh, that's definitely what I experienced. The picture
3: that I that is getting me fe- feeling excited right now, enthusiastic to move forward and to jump into chapter three is a new mentoring relationship that's just started and it fell in my lap kind of in a way, by accident, there's a president of another organization similar to my organization. They've just been at it 50 years. The president reached out to myself and Tanya. President, he offered us a piece to our puzzle that we've wanted. We hadn't verbalized that we had wanted it. He just said, "Would this work for you?" "Yes." Yeah. Then we realized how much money he poured into this project. That giving us a piece of the pie for not, you know, basically for free. It was a win for him, too. But here was the thing. When we had the first meeting together, he said to me, I've never approached organizational development the way you do. I have a feeling you've got a bunch of skills and a bunch of philosophies that could really help us a lot. I said the feeling is mutual on the business End of thing on the business acumen on how to develop these business relationships and really create wins. It was that's the kind of mentorship agreed upon, both people win. There's a so I can be a teacher and a mentee in that situation, and it's pretty cool.
5: <laughs> Thus, you're setting up a symbiotic relationship,
3: yes. Yes, where there's mutual value and mutual learning give and teaching going on. Yeah, oh, it's awesome.
4: I actually had the exact experience you're talking about so where I joined a bunch of multi-level marketing, I'm not going to say any names but they said you got to do this, you got to pay this much, join up with me, go to these events, say these things, shoot out these messages, the whole scheme. After doing that, I didn't experience any success and I know I wanted to do something different. I talked with Chris. We started the Power Hour. Now I'm seeing that, say for example, I'm a guitar player. I can learn from somebody who's maybe a website designer. I can teach them guitar. I can teach people my skills. They can give me skills back. I feel a lot more aligned in the universe and a lot better in myself because I'm helping people. They're helping me. And it's not a I'm the mentor, I'm the master, you're the pawn, just listen to me and do these motions. It comes more from, I know this knowledge and you know this stuff. If we combine, we can form something great. Our powers combine, we can form Captain Planet. People can teach people. That's what life is really all about, people with different skills helping people.
5: As we dive into Chapter 3. We begin to now bring to the table a fresh awareness of what we have, what we are wanting to do with what we have. Now, beginning to expand the sense of worth by starting to tap into our quote potential. As we start tapping really into our potential, the best way, there's a, I believe it's a Chinese proverb half-stolen, half-well-done. Anybody want to venture to guess what's behind that proverb? What's tripping you all up is probably the word stolen. You've heard this in another format. Why recreate the wheel? You've heard that before, yeah?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah, reinvent the wheel. It's just a different version rather than
5: recreate. Yep. It's
1: more like reinvent, yes.
5: <laughs> reinvent, recreate. Once something's already been done and it's a proven model, Why on heaven's name would I want to go out and do it all over again, right? Right.
1: Right. Right. That's what we were taught. Yes, that's right.
5: So half stolen, it's the word. It's the energy around the word stolen. Half stolen, half well done. Meaning, from a synergistic relationship, as we begin to ebb and flow as team seekers, ebbing and flowing all of our collective skills and talents, As we begin to share more fully, what are our dreams? What do we really want to do? Where do we want to go? Who do we want to meet? As we really begin to look at, okay, I recognize I'm really good at A, B, and C, and I suck at one, two, and three. I really want to learn more of one. Who knows a good teacher that can teach me one? Someone in our network might have a connection for us. And I'm tapping into that old saying, how does it go? Six degrees of separation. What's that theory all about? The whole six degrees of separation?
3: They're brothers, brothers, cousins, uncle. You're probably going to know that person. (laughs) It's kind of like that. Except you go go out six degrees. You go out six levels, the six relationships beyond that direct connection you have with that person. And they're going to know somebody you know.
5: That's the concept. Yes. So what that means is as we get into Chapter 3, what do you want to do? What skills do you have that by teaching those skills to someone else, they can pay you by teaching you skills you need? Some of the biggest advancements I've had in my career is because I was smart enough to say yes to a teacher who said to me, are you ready to go? I'd never met this person before. I was on a holiday. I was having a nice dinner. I was on my way back to the room. I bumped into this guy. We had this rather intriguing energy going on, and he goes, are you ready to go? I said yes. I didn't say, who are you? I didn't say, what are you talking about? I didn't say, what's your qualifications? I didn't say, do you have a website? I didn't say, can you email me something? I didn't say any of that. I said, yes, I'm ready to go. I had no clue what I was diving into, but I could not be where I'm at today had I did any of that. If I asked that man to give me his credentials, he would have looked at me and he would have said, you're not ready to go. And I know that because I have witnessed him say that to other people to their face my point as we get ready to wrap up tonight's call this journey is your journey this journey is about you what do you want to do what do you want to accomplish this journey is about tapping into a team who can give you icing on the cake the fact that Shirley's not here Manita's not here the fact that Chris is not here we miss them this should not impede your journey
0: time to close this class what did you get out of this show we truly want to know simply post in the comment box at the bottom of this page after hearing so many people experience so many ahas i wonder are you ready to take this class yourself we start new classes each time we have 12 or more people ready to go you're listening to Marcia Sortino, Team Seeker's team captain. Get in touch to learn how to become one of Pay Me What I'm Worth's paid instructors today. And remember, before you go, think about who else would enjoy our classes. Post this show on your social networking sites to help more people enjoy some weekly wit and wisdom.
7: Aloha!